You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. All right, we're back here with episode number 91, and let's dive right into it because we've got, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a slow week, if you will, but uh, Johns Hopkins drops a bomb yesterday and lets everybody know that uh, they're not messing around with the 2022 schedule. Yeah, they're uh, year two for uh, Pete Milliman is going to be do or die. Um, uh, they have an exceptional schedule. Um, with some really good out-of-conference games. I mean, and then you factor in what's going on with um, what they have to deal with in the Big Ten. I I think you're going to be hard-pressed to uh, find uh, a harder schedule for anybody in the country. I mean, this this schedule is stacked. I mean, you're you're looking at, you know, non-conference with Delaware, Georgetown, you know, Jacksonville, Loyola, Navy, North Carolina, Princeton, Syracuse, Towson, and Virginia. I mean... No weeks off, no weeks off, no midweek games off. I mean, there are some days where, you know, they're going to have, you know, you're, you're playing Tuesday, Saturday. That's a really tough week. This, this reminds me of a very much like a, a top five basketball team schedule where, mm-hmm. I mean, and even then they play a cupcake at the very first game of the season, some mid-major or some D2 team. But they really build the entire schedule for the playoffs. So if, if, and and here's the thing, this past year, I'm sure Pete was tired coming from the Ivy League of hearing about how the Big Ten schedule wasn't enough on its own over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. And he's like, you know what? We're going to make sure that by the end of this, this season, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. We will know exactly how good we are because we have played the top team from every other conference. We've got the top teams from pretty much every major conference there is. And, uh, you you know, they're either going to, it's sink or swim. And this isn't a bad thing, right? Like if, if they go, if they split the schedule and they go five or eight and seven, like that'll be a pretty damn good year considering the quality of the schedule, but also they'll know that that's not a playoff team. If they go 10 and five, though, with this schedule, like that's a playoff team. And so they're leaving themselves room for error, but also they have to they have to produce. They're throwing it back to when they were an independent and they were playing a a murderer's row of a schedule, which, listen, as a lacrosse fan, I appreciate. Um, I I think also from a recruiting standpoint, you know, this is going to be very attractive to to any of those incoming recruits. Like you're playing the best schedule in the country. Um, You know, obviously the Big Ten games are going to be televised, but more so if you take a look at these games, how is ESPN not going to put, you know, Johns Hopkins Loyola on TV, Johns Hopkins Navy, which let's talk about that, that, that rivalry is back, which is great. I know it stepped away for, for a couple of years, um, but it it was all, this is, this has always been a marquee game. Now I'm hoping um, that maybe they can finagle some things in a schedule and put it maybe towards the end of the year, because, you know, years ago, there was nothing better than um, a Hopkins Navy game, you know, in late April, May. Um, So, I mean, that, that would be phenomenal, but, you know, Johns Hopkins Navy, you know, you're not going to put Johns Hopkins, North Carolina, North Carolina is arguably the best, one of the best teams coming back Um, factor in Syracuse, Virginia, you know, Towson will probably bounce back in Princeton. We haven't seen Princeton in a while. Um, 
Hopkins has a really good chance of having, you know, be, you know, having, um, you know, every game to like be an ESPNU game, not just, you know, an, you know, a streaming game. So yeah. it, it's exciting, man. It's this exciting. has got to be one of the toughest schedules I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Just, just like, I'm just putting that out there. I mean, if, if I'm, if you think that there's a harder schedule, please let us know. Uh, uh, and don't, and, and don't, I'm sorry to cut you off. Don't forget about Georgetown, man. Like you can't, the Hoyas, no. man, they're coming yeah. back and those guys are studs and, you know, some of these games that, you know, years ago might've been easy, you know, might've been easy dubs for them. It's not going to work out that way. Cause Delaware is on the rise. Jacksonville is going to be a tough game. Um, you know, you've got all of these teams. It's, I mean, they have, is, they have one game on the schedule that might be a fringe top 25 team, just depending yeah. on how things shake out. And that's, that's insane. I, I would, I would say right now, every single one of these games is a top 30 game, including the conference schedule. So mm-hmm. I, I gotta say that they're the early favorite for, for a toughest schedule. And then don't forget leading into all this, they're playing an incredibly tough fall schedule, yeah. October 24th, playing with Harvard, High Point, Hobart, Richmond, and Yale which is a really good mix of teams. Like you're, you're seeing that they're, they're out of conference is just a really good mix of Ivy league, you know, the old, some of the old SoCon teams and then the, the kind of the odd man out right there is Hobart, but. But you know. here's the thing. That's, that's a great matchup. They're going to see so many different looks in the fall. Cause obviously they'll probably play two games that day, um, depending on which way they go, but you have, a bunch of different teams there that play so many different styles. That's going to help prepare them for the spring. I mean, Hobart um, arguably has been one of the best offensive teams in the country in the last, you know, three to five years. Coach Raymond has done a phenomenal job with that group. It's a fun group to watch play lacrosse and it's exciting to see them go down there for that fall tournament. Uh, It's going to be awesome. Um, You know, and, and what I will say, you know, (laughs) Coach got some stones, man. Uh, that is a tough schedule, and it's going to be feast or famine for those guys. Imagine being home right now on summer vacation, and you're a Hopkins uh, player, and you see this for the first time. I mean, obviously, you're you're up for it, right? That's why you go to Hopkins. But just the the deep breath, like, okay, okay, like this this is happening. This is happening. Like, you know. It's just, I'm sure that there's a deep breath and then like, let's get to work moment. You know what well, I mean? Well, and, and the thing is too, is, is that I, I have no doubt that coach prepared them for this, you know, this for sure. What yeah. They this is not about. a complete surprise. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they knew like going into the summer, like, there's, Hey, there's a difference though, between you telling your players like, Hey, I'm going to get us a tough out of conference it. schedule and then yeah. showing them this like, yeah. Well, and it's like every year it's like, Oh, what's the schedule looking like next year, coach? Oh, well, looks like we might be doing this, 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 this. Um, and then it's something a little bit different. Um, you know, they're, they're talking the talk and they're going to have to walk the walk this year, which is awesome. It's good to see, you know, hopefully, um, hop, uh, hop is back. Um, it, it's going to be exciting. I, and I think mm-hmm. it, this is really going to be a good litmus test for the coaching staff. I, I think based on how they do this year, um, is going to be a deciding factor on whether or not they make some changes within that staff, um, whether it's, you know, move some people around on different sides of the ball or whatever. Um, I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a huge litmus test. I'm excited to see what, you know, John Grant Jr. can do with that offense, you know, with a schedule like this and, you know, and more know, time with the players. Exactly right. And, you know, Coach Coster does a, a, an awesome job with the defense. I mean, he um, revitalized that UMBC defense, and I have no doubt that, that he's going to carry that over to Hopkins. So it's going to yeah. be an exciting year. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it with just just be patient if you're a Hopkins fan or an admin or or whoever you are, because there's there's no way you expect this schedule to result in like some crazy numbers. Just just be patient. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, that's right, it. yeah, from your lips to God's ears, because yeah. guess what? Be, patience and Hopkins fans. I know uh, they I don't know. go hand in hand. I have to try. Um, I have to try. Um, to protect a, there might be one more. There might be one more fan base that's a little bit more rabid, and that's Syracuse. Um, but. The Hopkins guys, oh, they're 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 gonna be brutal. Gonna hey, be at least brutal. they can't. They, at least no one can argue that Pete's not putting it out there and putting themselves against the bus. So, all right, moving on. We we have a couple of uh, relatively large D two and D three coaching uh, hires, and so I'll let you take that over because we have a new guy in D two, not new. Welcome back, I guess, is, is yeah, the right way to say it. Yeah, well, I'll get to that in a second. But, I mean, in talking about some, you know, the major D3 hires this year, um, well, there was two main ones that everybody was talking about, um, Gettysburg and Denison. Um, those were the ones that were highly sought after, highly talked about. And Amherst, with, which we're still well, isn't, and Amherst, isn't done yet. Amherst isn't done yet. Um, we'll talk on that when, you know, when maybe that process, you know, gets done here probably six months from now, because that's the way Amherst operates. <laughs> but um, let's talk about, you know, I'll start with Gettysburg. Gettysburg, Coach Jancic retires, absolute legend. Um, and also too, these two jobs, Gettysburg and Denison, it's a tough act to follow because you're following two legends of the game and you're following two coaching legends at those respective institutions. But Coach Jancic retires um, and then Gettysburg goes out and they get Coach Toner from Penn State, which um, a lot of people feel really strongly about this. Um, you have to, you, know, you right off the bat, you know that that was a huge candidate pool and a highly, highly, highly um, um, elite candidate pool because just taking a look at all of the Gettysburg alumni that are coaching at an elite level in, in the college ranks right now, um, you had to think that a number of them were in on that, um, were part of that process, were interviewed for that. Um, and then ultimately they, they settled on Coach Toner, which is a great thing. He's done wonders at Penn State. Um, and, and I think that that's going to be a, a good fit for Gettysburg moving forward. I mean, the thing with these two jobs and, and once we get to Denison, I'll talk to that. Um, these are jobs that it's not like, Hey, you're here three to five years and then you move on. You know, this is, you know, these are two jobs that are often, you know, considered career jobs. Um, and for, for very good reason. Um, there's a lot of success, a lot of history tied to both of these programs. I mean, Gettysburg's a phenomenal program. It's in a great location. Um, so I, I think uh, it'll, be, it'll be a great transition there. Congratulations to Coach Toner. Coach Janzik's going to have a wonderful um, um, retirement. And what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a great hire, but I also want to remind people of like the 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 shockwaves that that kind of started because yeah. now you've got Mike Murphy coming back to be the you know to replace Toner at Penn State, which mm -hmm. is, I mean, Coach Toner did a great job, but how are you not excited, you know, if you're a Penn State fan for Mike Murphy to give it a go now too because, you know. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say well one's better than the other or anything like that, but like. I'm I'm pretty excited if if I hear that Mike Murphy's coming on board. 
I think it's, I think it's a great hire. I mean, one, you're not taking a coach from another staff, which it, I think, you know, it get, breathes a sigh of relief for a lot of other division one coaches, I'm sure. but, more, but more importantly too, he's a former head coach. You know, Colgate was very high level when he was there. Um, he's coached at a high level before he's coached in the NCAA tournament. He's won championships at the college and PLL level. Um, it's a great fit. Um, and I think he's going to, it's going to be a great transition for him. Um, you know, he went from a small, you know, private school up in upstate New York at Colgate. And then, you know, obviously he did the prep school thing for a little while, but now he's going to the big time. And I think that's going to be awesome for him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him back as a head coach at some point here in the, you know, in the next few years, but um, great hire there. Um, you got anything else on that, Nick? No, no. Let's move over to Denison because so this is Den in our backyard. So yeah, Denison, um, you know, once again, uh, another highly sought after position. Denison has a rich history of tradition, you know, perennial power, um, you know, great conference, good location, um, hall of fame it, coach, it, hall of fame coach. It's one of the premier division three lacrosse schools in the country with two so, full-time assistants. Yep, if, if and, I just read that correctly. So, yep. And you know, the thing about this one is, is that so many people thought that they were going to maybe go a division one route, get a, get a division flashy one. hire. Yeah. Get a division one high level division one assistant, or even get a division one head coach to flip and go to Denison. Um, but one thing I'll say is that, you know, that school always kind of presents itself as like for them, you know, they want somebody long-term, they want somebody that fits the mold of their institution and they want somebody who's had experience at a high level institution. So they went with coach Eric Koch, who's coming over from Washington and Lee as an assistant coach, not the hire. I think a lot of people thought they were going to make, but you know, for those of you who don't know coach Koch, phenomenal coach, great recruiter, um, you know, essentially, uh, ha has been, you know, um, has, has a wealth of experience. And I think it's a great fit moving forward for, for that program, because I, he spoke to it when, you know, he was introduced, you know, it's a career job for him. It, it really is. And, and, and I think from a Denison standpoint, that program, that's what they look for. And that's what they value. Yeah. I'm sure that there are people with flashier resumes, you know, maybe mm -hmm. more pedigree, but like, it was pretty clear from an admin standpoint. I mean, these are not new admin that yeah. they would say goodbye and they'd be doing another search in a couple of years. And that's not to say that Koch won't ever leave. It's just that they picked him because they think that he will be there a long time, yeah. which says a lot to coach Koch as well, because that's, that's the university showing a lot of uh, faith and trust in you and that they want you to be there long-term, which is like every coach's dream, especially at D3, which is, um, you know, some tough times. So yeah, absolutely. great, great hires all the way around. You know, we'll have more coaching news next week. I'm sure. Hopefully. Yeah. We've got some interesting stuff happening behind the scenes, but we can't talk about it ever until, uh, until it's official. So exactly. And then the, the yeah, last one we got to talk about is I think this is huge news. I know this is huge news for the division two landscape. Okay. Um, for those of you who, you know, might not remember um, years ago, there was a coach who won back-to-back -back national championships at a place called LIU post. And his name is John Jez. Well, John Jez was announced this week as the coach at Post University in Connecticut. My man went from one post to another. Um, you know, Post in Connecticut really hasn't had a great history of success, but um, 
Division two lacrosse is better with Coach Jez in it. He's a phenomenal recruiter, a tireless recruiter, a great coach. Um, he's always assembled a really good staff around him. And, and I think that this isn't going to change. He's going to be able to breathe new life into that program and, and hopefully take them to the next level. Um, the CACC is a winnable conference. Um, so I think you're going to see Post really kind of take it to the next level and see them have success. Um, and more importantly, too, like I said, Coach Jez is a great coach. He's had a history of, of success. I mean, I think, he, I think he won two national championships. I think he went to like three or four final fours. Um, you know, he's, 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 his resume alone um, speaks for itself. And it's been a shame that he's been out of the game for this long. Um, and it's just exciting to see him back. Um, you know, he, his tenure at LIU Post ended a little bit abruptly. Um, I think there were a lot of people to blame there. I think LIU Post made a huge mistake when they let him go. Um, but they seem to write the ship because, you know, Coach Wolf is doing a phenomenal job there at the Division One level. But, um, you know, uh, congratulations to Coach Jez. Can't wait to see uh, Post take the field this spring. And uh, like I said, D2 is, is great with him back in it. Absolutely, man. I, I, I can't really speak to all that Long Island history, but, uh, you know, well, from the resume listen, and the he's impact. A he, he's a Westchester guy. And for those of you who don't know the difference – I had to do it when I started out as a young assistant coach. I would commute from Long Island to the Bronx to coach. And you got to cross a bridge. You got to go through Queens. He would commute from Westchester to go down to LIU Post. Okay. The guy's a worker. Okay. And and he's going to do phenomenal. Um, I mean, he, he, he and... You know, but he never you stopped get... working. Like he, he went yeah. and he was the equipment manager for army football or something. And he was and still lacrosse. the equipment manager for the U S team. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's been around, he's been he's around, been involved. He's... And, but the reason I said all that was because the one thing you don't want to, you, you don't want to, you, you don't want to confuse Westchester people with long Island people. No, no, I'm just saying he coached on get... long Island. I, I mean, know, this... I know, I know. But yeah, that's it. Even if he's coaching on long Island, you mentioned something. If you don't forget, if you don't mention he's from Westchester, they're they're very protective of the area up there. Just ask those Yorktown guys. I probably won't. I don't want to get into an argument. No, you don't. New York people are funny. Westchester oh, is the they, yeah. They just say the Westchester is the best Chester. You're also territorial. Not. It is. All right, moving on to the PLO. So there you go. Finally, we have Friday Night Lacrosse back. It feels like forever. I don't know how I feel about having the All Star Game and a bye week back to back. I don't know if that was based on like Olympic scheduling or what. Probably. I, I, I don't as Paul a Rainbow fan probably make up some bo- for some uh, some bogus reason as to why it happened. All, all I know the Olympics. All I know is that as a fan, it's really hard to keep that momentum going. Like the, yeah. we had a lot of momentum, and then it's like, all right, All Star Game, great. Like, fine. I still prefer it to be at the end of the season. Then a bye week. Like, I get it. The Olympics has every single time slot. This weekend, every game is on uh, on Peacock. Peacock because of the Olympics. Fine. But still, it seems like we've lost some momentum that we that we had as a as a sport. So I don't like that. But we're back. Friday night lacrosse, Atlas Chrome. I have not seen the Chrome's official game day roster or the weekend roster, which is annoying because I'd really like to know if Dylan Malloy is playing for sure. I've heard that he is, and I've seen on multiple platforms that he is. So I just don't um, trust anybody. Well, that's it. Lacrosse, you know, that can change in the blink. Everybody wants him to play too. So I feel like everyone's a little bit, you know, they're willing to say that he's playing because we all think he will. We all expect him to. We all want him to. Anyway, let's hope he does play. 
because they need a little bit more help on the attack for the Chrome. They they just they lost so much because of injury mm-hmm. and suspension and just kicking people out of the league. So I, I mean, this is just a this story happens every year with the Chrome. Like there, it's just a war of attrition on this roster. And Sudan still is able to put out a great product in the field. So I just can't imagine how good they'll be when they have like a fully healthy roster for an entire season or even close to that. So yeah. let's talk about each game real quick, who you pick, why, and, uh, and that'll be it. So first game we got Atlas I, Chrome. Yeah. Who you got? I'm so torn between this one. I mean, ultimately I'm going with the Atlas. I think they're just, you know, they've, they've been streaking, um, you know, going into the break, but like at the same time, like, like you said, the break is going to be great or bad for teams. I think this is going to be probably has a good, has a good chance to be the sloppiest or the best lacrosse that we've seen all summer based on the fact that guys are getting healthier guys have had more time to rest. Um, what they did with that time. We don't know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so we'll, we'll see. But I mean, I went with the Atlas. I think uh, they just they just have too much. Um, they've been playing really, really well. Um, you know, that's not to say that the Chrome aren't going to put up a good fight because you know, basically between the Chrome, uh, the Chaos, and the Cannons, like they're playing playoff. They have to play playoff lacrosse right now because if any one of those teams has a bad weekend, um, you know. It, it's they're just not going to make the playoffs. So it's, it's just, it's going to be an interesting weekend, but for me, I went with the Atlas. What about you, bud? Uh, I also picked the Atlas, but I'll be honest. I want the Chrome to win. I just don't think that they will this weekend. Like I I don't think they'll win this matchup just because I think the Atlas are playing too good of lacrosse. I think the Atlas are figuring out who they are at the right time. You know, they're, they're a young team. I think when Romar Dennis is in the lineup, they, they look a little different. Yeah. They just, they have that extra gear through the midfield. And yeah. it really stretches everybody, like everybody's on edge when he's dodging down the alley. And that opens up a lot of things for other people. So while I would love Chrome to win and be the Chrome that I think that they'll be by the end of the season, I don't know if they're there yet, but, you know, stay tuned for, for Sunday's picks. All right, moving on. Archers versus Redwoods. We both picked the Archers. Yep. Uh, you know, here's the thing. Redwoods, I think, will have the advantage through the faceoff. I think they'll have... A little bit of advantage on defense. However, like I just I have a hard time ever rooting against the archers offense. Like it's just from top to bottom, it's just too good. And Tim Trowner has had up and down yeah. games this year. Man, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Uh it's just hard for me. Same reasons, you know, but from my standpoint, when I watch the archers play, those guys, and I'm not saying the Redwoods don't, but the archers have good chemistry. They enjoy playing. That's a fraternity right there. Yeah. It's just like, you know what? There, there is something special about this group. So I, um, you know, I really feel like this is, this, this has the potential to be the the game of the weekend, but um, I'm going with the archers. I just think that, you know, that offense is phenomenal. Um, And and it, it, it just comes down to like the little things. I think they have great chemistry and those guys, it's just, they play so well for each other. Um, and, and I think it's just going to be tough for the Redwoods to stop that. Yep. And, and the beauty of every game this weekend is that it's an evening or night game because yeah. it is out in Colorado. So for people like us, that's a seven fifteen game on Saturday. And then we have like a 10 o'clock game on Saturday night, which I can't wait for water dogs versus whip snakes. You and I picked the water dogs over the whips. 
for me, it, it's pretty simple. I, I think the water dogs are really good. I think the whips are, are really, really good as well. But without Matt Rambo, there's just, it, it's so clear to me that even with Zed and, and Jay Carlson and whoever they put in that third spot, it's just not the same without Rambo. It's not. And it's they not. don't have, they have good midfielders, but they don't have a single midfielder that I trust to like take over the game, which puts the entire game on Zed. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing a team like the Water Dogs, I don't, I don't like. You know, that. and he's coming off being a little banged up too. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, hopefully he's healthy by now. But yeah, I, I just think the Water Dogs—they're starting to click too because they—they had so much turnover in the yep. offseason. And Sowers is coming back. Um, that, that's what we hear. That's what that's we hear. Hear. That's what we hear. But I, I went with the Water Dogs. I just think that um, for the for the same reasons, they they're finally starting to come together. They're finally starting to click. They've been playing well. They shoot the heck out of the ball. Um, and I just, I, I feel like, you know, they're about, they're hitting their stride. They hit their stride going into the all-star mm-hmm. break, right? Um, if they can sustain that, they're going to be a really tough team to play. Yeah, one team's um, going up, left. one team's been yeah. on the way down lately. And, and well, yeah, it's because of injury, but still, if you it doesn't look at change. The Whip, if you look at the Whipsnakes all, all season, you know, they're one, or, they're one or two plays away from their record not being good at all. Um, and, and I've made the reference a lot. They've been playing fire all year. Um, you know, they really haven't been in a game, you know, maybe one game where they've really separated themselves from that OT game with the cannons was a great indicator of how like close the talent is in the league. And that's when they were healthy. So absolutely. All right. So in the, in the, in the LAS pick them, everybody picked the Chrome for chaos versus Chrome. And I, I don't know. I know why I do pick the Chrome. You know, we're, we're Chrome fans, more or less. Like, And I, I'm not going to say I don't like the chaos. I just think the chaos are so un or inconsistent. And I never know which one I'm going to get. So I'm either going to get a chaos team that scores 20 goals or I'm going to get one that scores six. And yeah. McKay scores two of them with a long pole and Dane Smith scores the other four. That's so, nice. like, it, it's very tough to, to judge which chaos team you're getting every week. And, mm-hmm. and you know, listen, I just... For me, it was an easy pick. I'm, I'm taking the Chrome. I'm taking the Chrome. I think they're. I, I think one of the things that I always kind of see, and that I always kind of feel that I feel that um, teams that play the second game, at least this season, on the weekend, they usually play better um, in that second game. So that's why. I mean, I'm picking the Chrome because I think another game with you know, um, Dylan Malloy in the lineup where they can kind of get that chemistry situated. You got, you add Donnie Moss back into it. I think he's playing as well, which is another great defensive mm-hmm. play. And then you have them. a game where you have a clear face-off advantage. Yep, exactly right. And and I just think Sudan organizes those guys really well. Um, you know, it's like, it's just a bunch of guys that do their role really well. It seems like he's pretty transparent with what he wants out of those guys. And they go out and they play and they play freaking hard. I mean, this is going to be a fight, which is great. It'll be great to watch on TV. They, they would um, be so much better if they can just fix one thing, in my opinion. And that is Connor Farrell is an elite guy over the ball. Yeah. But once he wins that face off, sometimes, and, and I've had to teach this to D, D1 guys, it doesn't matter if you win it, if you just throw it to the other team. Yeah. And he, if they can just get that to click, like he wins almost every clamp that I've seen him take, but then he just moves it into traffic or, you know, just whips it backwards and there's no one there. If they can really organize that wing play and, and he can just get that one little thing 
Oh man, they would have so many more possessions. And for a team like that, they need every possession that they can get. Well, and I think for him, teams have finally kind of figured out maybe what his weakness is. And let him, they can let him know face off and then just yeah. jump him. Yeah. And and that's that's gonna be tough. But you know, you know, Adler's a smart guy, he's a technician too. Yeah. So if they're not careful, it could go badly. All right, last Absolutely. game, we've got Sunday evening or yeah, late afternoon. Atlas yeah. versus Cannons. And this is the this is the big one. So I, I am a Cannons fan. You are a Cannon Slappy. I'm a diehard. And I picked the Atlas because, you know, and I understand you probably picked the Cannons because you're a fan, but also Atlas is the second game that, that probably played into it. I just, the Cannons are a team that consistently lets me down. I, I want so badly to root for them and have them do well. And then they'll just put up goose eggs in the most random times. The offense with so much talent, I don't think it's really gelled well yet. And, and they haven't really figured it out. I think Lyle sometimes is forced, forcing himself to do too much. Yeah. And I think the Atlas just play easy offense. Um, yeah. And I, I'm just going with the Atlas. Why would you pick cannons? Why would I pick cannons? Because because I picked them. Um, <laughs> I picked the cannons because um, I, there, there are those flashes of brilliance that you see mm -hmm. from them um, offensively, defensively in the goal. Um, I also think that those guys and coach quirk, you know, they have, I don't want to say big game experience, but they've all been in those games where it's like do or die. And I mean, with Thompson, this, Merrill and Rabel, I mean, they have some of the most is, experienced players yeah, in the professional lacrosse. This is a, this is a do or die situation for them if they don't if they don't win this game there's a good chance that they're not going to make the playoffs um because then that puts them in a spot where they're just gonna um you know depending on how the other games go it's just going to be them in last place and with two weeks to go it's going to be really tough to come out of there but um you know they've got fire they're you know i i just i i feel like you know for them um if they can where they're really going to be deficient in this game is that the faceoff x um, you know, they, they really haven't, you know, identify, they really, you know, they have, they, they've made some changes at that position. Yeah. They're trying, they really they're trying to they, figure they're it trying, out, but, but, um, I don't think the league has a sixth elite guy. And so no. when you're not in the top five, there is a drop off there. Exactly. Right. Um, you know, so that's going to be a, a point of point of issue for them, but I think, you know, if they have the ability to keep that 50-50 or close to 50-50 and steal some possessions back, if Morocco has a good game, you know, I think this is going to be a game that the Cannons will steal from them. I, I think they're due. I think the fact that it's basically do or die for them is going to is going to be big. And, you know, I, I think, too, with the altitude, two games in three days, um, you know, maybe that affects. Uh, I'll like give us. you this. I'll give you this. I think the Cannons win if they can win 45 percent of their face. Yeah, there you go. I'll put the over under at 45. I, I I'm think also, I, I'm also a ride or die cannons guy. I love, and that's I, fine. I, and that's, you've been consistent all year on that. It's just, and, and it's like the Chrome. I, I like the Chrome and I like the cannons. The problem is they don't always, you know, yeah, they don't, they don't reciprocate, they always reciprocate the love. So, yeah. you know, and, and again, I just need to make sure I'm not in last place, which it's I, like, you know, your high, it's like your high school girlfriend. They don't always reciprocate the love. Mm -hmm. you know? It's just, it's, he's it's, a giver yeah. pistol. He's a giver. Yeah, All right. Giver. All right, folks, that's it for this week. Uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week for episode 92. <laughs> Have a good if one. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides. Sides.